Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Indiana Zone Coverage with your host, Brandon Johnson, with my also my other hosts, Mickey Matus and Michael Donnelly. We are one short this evening, but I promise you, you guys, we have a lot of content that you guys will love. This is our ACC preview show, but we will not be starting with that. We will be starting with the college football playoff and the national championship game. What a blunder. And, man... I have to say, back-to-back national championship games have been extremely boring in football. What do you guys think? What do you also think about the whole college football playoff as a whole? Go ahead, Michael. Uh, Yeah, so there's blatant lack of parity in college football right now. You know, I mean – it's it's Alabama, and I, I know Clemson lost, but it's really Alabama and Clemson above everybody else. Um, Ohio State's in there every year, too, so I mean, you could make an argument that it's those three teams. And then past that, it, it just it, it doesn't even matter. You know, you can throw a fourth team in there in the playoff every year. As we've seen every year, they're going to lose. Um, you know, We've seen some teams get in, like Georgia and Oregon and and so on and so forth. But it's just – it's Alabama's world. They won seven of the last – what is it, 11 Mm -hmm. titles? Yep. Six of the last 12. Six of the last 12. It's just – it's kind of ridiculous at this point. And as we've talked about on previous shows, I just – you know, I think they got to expand the playoff. You got to make other teams look sexier. You got to let them – kind of get their foundation going and it's just it's just not there and outside of Alabama the I mean the rest of the SEC also dominates because 11 of the last 15 have been SEC teams you had Florida who went on their run you've had LSU a couple times like I said you had Georgia in there a couple times and in Alabama so I don't know if they need to uh, you know limit scholarships right because right now Right now, each team is allowed 85 scholarships in what's called the Power Five conferences. So I don't know if they need to reduce that to 60 to allow other teams to start getting more better recruits. I, you know, on top of expanding the playoff, I, I don't really know what the best option is at this point. That's, yeah, that's what I was going to say is I don't even know if, like, just expanding the playoff it'll bring in some more entertainment. That's for sure. But I don't, I still think those top teams are going to still win every year because it's the recruits. All the best are going down South. They're going to Alabama. They're going to Clemson. They're going to all that. And like we're in basketball, that still happens, but basketball, you have five players on the court. Like a lot of things can happen like football. Now you got 11 on each side team being a good team is way more important than having like, okay, we actually got one really good player who can just take over and win a game for us. Like you got to build an entire team full of good recruits versus just getting a couple diamonds in the rough. Yeah. So I, that's a, I've never really heard of that proposal of shortening or lessening the scholarships. That's a good point to talk about. I I just think that's, I think it's a really complex issue Mm -hmm. because you're taking, you know, free tuition away from some players that have potential maybe to go to these top mm-hmm. tier mm-hmm. schools. So I don't know. I think it's, kind 
I, I don't really want to open this can of worms, but I feel like it's got to be kind of mixed in with paying players being able to, yeah, paying players yeah. on top of limiting scholarships. And yep. I think that's the only way to, to at least get a start, you know, but for that to happen, the NCAA is going to have to move out of the way and maybe the power five and other schools kind of branch off and make their own governing body i you know i don't know mm-hmm. no i completely agree and i think it'd have to be like a tiered system for payment where like you can have 10 players on your team make this amount and then it's tiered so then if you want to get a big recruit you could say hey if you're an iu or purdue you're saying hey you guys are you're gonna be a top tier recruit here you're gonna make an extra five grand a year or whatever it is uh, yeah coming to us when rather than going to alabama because obviously, just recruiting, saying "Hey, you're gonna have that playing time," is not doing much, right? And they'll have to come up with some sort of cap for that too, on how much money these schools can spend on that. Because yeah, if you let any boosters get in there and give extra money, oh, yeah. like it's still gonna be the same same thing. Yeah. Like Texas, yeah. Bama, all of these yeah, guys are just gonna they have a massive endowments. Yeah, right. So, I on the flip side of that, then what about just on top of shrinking scholarships, maybe not universities and boosters fronting money. What about just own image and likeness, you mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. have them mm-hmm. go sponsor the local car dealership and, and leave it, leave it up to the, then, you know, economy of whatever state they go to or the area in which that university operates. You know, there's large companies in Bloomington that I'm sure could maybe get behind Mm-hmm. some players or Indianapolis or, you know, I take advantage of kind of that landscape of what's around and where they can maybe become sponsors for certain brands. No, I agree with that. But then you're, you're going to still get into the booster game where the people that have the largest boosters are going to get in to try and say, Hey, Hey recruit, you come over here. I'll give you this advertising day. And you'll make a million dollars or whatever it is. But, I mean, yeah. it's going to – something's got to change. I think we all agree. It's not just expanding because, like we talked about earlier, it's basically delaying the inevitable. So they're going to have to find a way to fix it. Yeah. To answer your original question, is college football boring? Absolutely it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless you bet on the games mm-hmm. or you're, like, a really faithful alum that has a good school, I mean, are you ever going to attract the casual fan after – what we saw last night, you know, like no casual fans going to be like, oh, let me watch Ohio State get blown out by 25 points to Alabama. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and like, especially like the regular season, you're in a catch from the casual fans with their allegiances to their teams. But mm-hmm. like, I agree with you, the college football national championship, it's hard to watch. Hell, I turned it off after the first, basically the first two drives in the third quarter when I knew it was over. Like, yeah. you know, I mean, it's, it's sad. But that's enough about the national championship game. We're going to keep moving forward. Let's talk about IU had two massive games this week. And I say massive because they were both nail biters. One was against the number eight team in the country. One was against the worst team in the Big Ten. Mickey, what did you think about both of those games? What are you taking away from those games? Yeah, you know, that Wisconsin game was a lot of fun. And... It's one of those where we talk about it a lot, Joe and I, where if IU comes in and they bring the energy from the beginning of the game, they're going to compete and they're going to be within every single game. 
And they seem to do that against really good teams because you, you have to, like they go, they seem to have the mantra of, Oh, we're the underdog here. We got to show up. We can beat this team. We know we haven't played our best basketball yet. Let's go out there and let's do it. And the exciting part is, is they did do that without Armand Franklin, who is their, who is their number two scorer. So they competed, took it to double overtime. They shot 38% from three, which Wisconsin still shot better at 42, but that's a really high percentage for the IU team that has struggled from three-point percentage. So that, that brings a lot of positivity to like, oh, maybe we got some other guys that can step up and hit some shots for us when Trace is getting doubled down low. Can he kick it out? And it was just a really good overall game. You had a couple instances where it made maybe one too many mistakes. Probably should have had it at the end of regulation. I thought Trace got fouled. Regardless, he should have made the shot, um, and they should have won. But you're not going to get that many extra chances against the Wisconsin team. They took over and double overtime and won it. And we got out-rebounded. They, it's just you got to – and we still had 13 turnovers. So you got to cut down these turnovers if you're going to try and compete against a top-10 team. Overall, pretty happy. Then – the game, uh, gosh, against Nebraska, where they looked like they started off hot. They looked like they were going to run them out of the gym. Shooters were there early, and then all of a sudden, it looked like they came out of the second half and were not ready to play. So, Nebraska fought back, ended up taking the lead, and then we were able to pull it together. Trace got some big buckets, pull it out in the end, but made it a little too close for comfort. And I think it goes back to the they got to bring the energy the entire time. And there's too many times where the offense gets stagnant. BJ brought it up. They didn't feed Trace maybe as much as they should have. Nebraska did a good job shutting him down. But he's you got to come up with creative ways to get him the ball. And if he gets doubled, kick it out. Get one of those new shooters that we have, um, which my breakout star of this week has been Anthony Leal who is a freshman from Bloomington. Uh, so, Townie there showing up, big-time <laughs> big shooter for us. Uh, so, we'll see how he continues to progress, and we got a big one this week. Michael, I know you had some thoughts about uh, IU's offense this week. What do you have to say about <laughs> IU's offense? Yeah, I was, uh, I was, you know, communicating with you guys while they were playing uh, – Wisconsin and it's just man I I see zero creativity I mean it's just it's kind of what you saw it's really what you've seen the past couple years just passing it around Mm -hmm. three-point line Trace is the only guy down low they might feed it to him kick it back out I it's just man it's just so mundane and I, I just feel like defenses are just chomping at the bit to play IU because they're just not creative at all on offense is what it seems. They can get some fast break points and, and can drive. I feel like they, they drive the ball pretty well, but I mean, they're not a very good three point shooting team and the creativity on offense is just kind of concerning. So I agree that which the most mind boggling piece of this is that happens very often. And then there's times when you see them all of a sudden, like, 
Rob will drive at the bucket, create a lot of space by driving down and then kicking it out. We hit a three or something happening Mm -hmm. by someone taking a drive to the bucket and creating movement. But then all of a sudden they just get away from it and just pass it around. So I I agree with you. I don't know why there's sometimes we can show like we know how to run an offense. And then there's other times when they just look like they don't. Yeah, and on top of that, you increase your chance to get fouled mm-hmm. when you run that style of offense. And yeah, it's just yeah. I, I don't, I have no idea. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it comes down to guard play. Like Al, yeah. Al and Rob need to be more consistent. They've sh- they've shown up in spurts the past couple of games. So if they can get some consistency and just be able to drive, create some space, that should help because. The shooters I talked about that we're finding, they they're not create your own shot shooters. Yeah. <laughs> we gotta have a yeah. wide open wide open three to be able to knock it down. So Yeah. Well, I have to agree. I mean I I've shared my thoughts. I'd love to see Archie Miller do ISO ball with Trey Shex and Davis on the uh, elbow. Get him at the elbow, do ISO ball, feed him, read the defense. Make him basically your leader, your facilitator, to where if he knows that a double's coming either all the time where it's there even when he's isolated or off the dribble, he has to read it and make the best play, which he, I think he has definitely the capability to do, which I would love to see, and they really went away from him in that, that Nebraska game. But that's enough. We'll be getting to IU versus Purdue later. Uh, let's talk about the Purdue versus Michigan State game. For those of you that didn't watch, this was the – Greatest comeback I've seen Purdue basketball ever pull off. Just for the sole fact of normally Purdue is on the wrong side of these games. Purdue is normally the one blowing the big leads, not the one coming back at them. Travion Williams was able to hit free throws. And if you didn't watch the end of the game, basically here's the storyline. Purdue was down four, had the ball with 10 seconds to go. Travion Williams gets fouled, hits two free throws. Uh, Michigan, all they have to do is Michigan State, all they have to do is inbound the ball. Eric Hunter Jr. makes a great tip on the pass. It goes off of Michigan State, goes out of bounds. Travion Williams gets fouled on the inbounds play, makes one of two free throws. Matt Painter made a great play by putting Zach Adey in. Purdue gets a jump ball, inbounds play. Travion Williams hits a bucket, five points in 10 seconds to come back and win the game by one. It was phenomenal. I've never seen Purdue actually be on that right side of those games. It was wild. But if you're a Purdue fan, with this IU-Purdue game being in question, man, we might not have a game. We might have one game in two weeks, which is a little scary. You might get a little bit of rust on the shooters. But granted, we our shooters weren't really shooting. Our offense was Travion Williams that last game. Um, what did you guys think of the game? you guys have any comments about the uh, Purdue-Michigan State game? Yeah, I mean, Purdue, gutsy pull out there. I mean, that was uh, that was an amazing shot by Travion. That's a little touch shot. It wasn't an easy shot to get at the end there. Um, but, yeah, I think both those squads, I think IU, Michigan State, Northwestern, Purdue are all going to be in that kind of same, like, realm of skill level and fighting for some spots. And both those teams showed great spurts and bad spurts. And then Purdue just happened to pull it out 
in the end. Um, so good for them. But yeah, I'm interested to continue to see this Purdue team because them, just like IU, it's like you don't really know what you're going to get game in and game out. They can show up. They cannot show up. So, yeah. I like it. I like it. Well, gentlemen, it is about that time. Time to get into the ACC basketball preview. Michael, I'm going to let you run with it. What have you seen from Notre Dame basketball so far? What are you thinking? What do you think about their big win against Kentucky? How much does that mean right now? And what are you seeing for them as in the likes of the tournament this year? Uh, well, the win against Kentucky means absolutely nothing because <laughs> Kentucky is their own kind of mess this year. Um, kind of what we touched on with IU a little bit. Uh, offense has a really hard time creating their own shot. They're incredibly slow on defense. Um, I don't know if you guys watched the Virginia Tech game, but so we were up seven at halftime and we only scored two field goals in the second half. (laughs) Only two. The rest came from free throws out of the 21 points we scored in the second half. Uh, let's see, I believe 16 of those were free throws. Yeah, so Princess Hub was the only one who scored field goals in the second half. One was a two-point jumper, and the other was a three-pointer. He's by far and away our best player. Um, kind of the same thing. If he drives, we can create shots. We can score a lot of points. Guys can really knock down open threes. They are an excellent three-point shooting team when they do have that open space. Um, but they're, they're losing games because of awful, awful defense and because of Juwan Durham, who is potentially the worst center in the ACC. And I cannot wait for him to go because he is a senior and next year there is some hope. We do get a grad transfer from Yale, uh, who's the the co, uh, Ivy league player of the year last year. So I'm hoping he can, he can bring a spark at center next year because the other four starters are all juniors. And I think they're all going to come back and be seniors. So it'd be a five, a five senior team with that much more experience, but if they don't get better on defense, it's, it's a lost cause. Um, And it's, it's going to be tough for them in the ACC this year. They're, they're going to be probably in the bottom three or four the entire year, unless they pull out some sort of turnarounds. Um, and kind of get it going on defense. I don't know if they need to switch the zone. I feel like they need to play that kind of Wisconsin or Syracuse slow style of basketball um, just to limit the amount of possessions in the game. Offenses against them. Yeah. Yeah. And because they can't guard man, they're like I said, they're, they're just not as athletic as a lot of the teams they play. So they can't play man. And they obviously can't, I think switch into a zone. Yeah, so I think switching to a zone is what they got to do to at least, like you said, limit limit some possessions late in the game. And, I mean, I don't know. I'm just trying to brainstorm as many ways that I can, but it's not looking good. And the, the only thing that gives me some sort of hope is all of their losses have been less than 10 points, which is is pretty good, except for this Virginia Tech game. Um, and they've all been against teams that are in the top 50 in Ken Palm rankings. So they're losing to good teams. 
but there were some games they should have won. They should have beat North Carolina, which they lost by one. Uh, they obviously blew a lead against Ohio State. They blew a seven-point halftime lead against Virginia Tech. So I don't start showing some mental toughness and close out some games. I don't know what else to tell them. What do you think? Do you think you're relying too much on the three-pointer, or do you guys have to since you don't really have a down-low presence at all? Yeah, we have to, and we don't have any depth. These guys are putting up 32, 33 plus minutes a game. Seven. I mean, we 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 have seven. We have a seven man rotation. So, and the backup to Juwan Durham's not any better. But I I don't know. Yeah, we do rely on the three a lot. But if Princess Hub can, you know, drive to the basket and create some shots and get fouled, I, I you know, I'd like to see a little bit more of that, but. Yeah, we are we are relying pretty heavily on the three, and against Virginia Tech, they just weren't falling in the second half. So, well, what do you think? You think they got any chance of making the tournament, or are they uh, NIT or bust kind of deal right now? Man, I don't even know if they make the NIT at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. They do they do not look good. They cannot. They can play one half of basketball. Luckily, they got two easy wins hopefully coming up against Boston College and Howard, but then, you know, they play Virginia tomorrow and then they play, I believe, Florida State and Duke and North Carolina again, so it's just, those are, you know, the kind of the, the top half of the ACC, so yeah, it's going to be it's gonna be a tough season. I do not see them making the tournament and I, I don't know if they'll even make the NIT, to be honest. Well, let's get into the rest of the ACC. I know uh, Mickey's got some thoughts about how deep they are, but let's talk about who do we see winning the ACC? Who are the best teams standing out? And we obviously both all know that Duke and North Carolina, the two perennial powerhouses in the ACC, have not had your typical season by their standards. What do we think about them? Do we think they're going to rebound? What do you guys think? Uh, who do you think is going to win the uh, ACC? Uh, I think it's – I think Virginia and Clemson are the two best teams. I still think Duke's a very good team. I think they're going to figure it out. I think North Carolina's going to figure it out. Um, Louisville is very athletic. They can score. They have had a lot of lucky wins so far. So we'll see if they can, you know, put it together and actually show that they can beat a team handily. But – I see Virginia pulling this out, and I, maybe Duke puts it together as well to to make a run. But I, I still think it's Virginia's uh, Virginia's conference to lose. Well, Ken Palm does back you up on that. He does have them as the best team in the ACC right now. Yeah, I think they have the most quality wins. They they definitely have an identity as every Tony Bennett team has. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I just think the Clemson, Clemson's playing really well too. So we'll just have to see what, what happens. But I, I, I do think Virginia is right now passes the eye test as, as the best team in the, in the ACC. Yeah, I, I can back you on that. I feel like the, in a weird year where ACC doesn't seem to be as strong as it normally is um, from a top level standpoint, they, also have 
actually weird. The top four teams in the ACC have all won at least their last three, if not their last four. So that's pretty interesting that they're all kind of on a streak there. Uh, But I think Virginia with Tony Bennett, like they run, they have their system. So it's like the same team, no matter if they have different players or not, it's the same team every year. So they don't need to like try and figure out their identity. Whereas Duke gets all these new guys all the time. And sometimes they start out slow, got to figure it out. Same with North Carolina a little bit too. Um, Yeah. I I think I'd go with Virginia as well. I like it. I like it. Personally, I actually agree with Michael. What you said is Duke is going to figure it out. And I think Duke is going to end up surprising some people and winning the ACC. Uh, I hate to say it. Boo. But, man. Boo, yeah. I, hope <laughs> I, not, I but... see it. They're turning around 3-0 and in the ACC right now. They are ready to roll. I, Virginia, I just always have a hard yeah, time they... with Virginia with their slow pace of play. They allow so many teams to stay in them. They're always bound to get upset by a team or two in the ACC. They just leave that door open too much for me to be able to say I like them the most to win. Come out ahead. Then Clemson, I don't know. I don't know what to think of Clemson right now. They're they're another team that has kind of an identity. They've they've had a pretty solid team the last two years. Um and they just play really good physical basketball. But yeah, I mean We'll see how, how far that takes them. But I, I, I do think Clemson's pretty decent. And on the point of Duke, this Duke team kind of reminds me of the older Michigan State teams. I don't want to say older, but the Michigan State teams of, of the past, you know, 10, 15 years where they always got off to slow mm-hmm. starts and then they figured it out and were dominant, making the Elite Eight or Final Four seem like every year. And that's kind of the vibe I get with, with this Duke team is – yeah, they got off to a slow start, but you can just kind of tell they're starting to click. And I mean, they're three and zero to start the mm-hmm. the ACC. So, no, I agree. So, how deep yeah. of a conference do you think this is? Like, how many teams do you think the ACC will have in right now? You think in uh, five, or you think more closer to the eight range? Uh, I think I think they're going to get seven in, and the seven that I have getting in are Virginia, Clemson, Duke. North Carolina, Louisville, Florida State, and Virginia Tech. Um, who, who did you say Mickey had them getting eight in? Or um, their projected get eight in? It was CBS, so Palmer. Okay. Uh, yeah, they had Syracuse getting in at, at 11. Syracuse, yeah. Yeah, I don't – I mean, unless Syracuse makes a run in the ACC tournament maybe and gets in on the bubble, I – yeah, I I still have them at seven, which, which doesn't seem that Syracuse is on the bubble <laughs> every year or has been for like the last yes. five years. I feel like Syracuse is like <laughs> always at ten or eleven. Oh, and they're the like scary team. They... Somehow somehow gets the benefit of the doubt. Maybe it's because of Jim Beheim. I don't know. They always get the benefit of the doubt of always making it into the tournament. And then they somehow. win that playing game. Though. They always win that game. Like, yeah. You ever fill yeah. that bracket? You always want to fill out Syracuse in that 11 seed slot. I'm telling you, it's great. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know about Jerry Palm because he doesn't have Purdue making the uh, tournament right now. I don't. I <laughs> can come up a top 25 win and uh, be a four, a number 40 in your net standings, and not in. 
But that's besides me. He's a Big Ten hater. It's okay. But I'm well. I'm, so that's what's. Go ahead. So going off, I don't think ACC should get eight in. But if you look at Ken Palm, so they do have eight within the top forty. Syracuse is actually thirty nine. So off mm-hmm. that, I mean, it seems like that they packed a bunch within like fifteen to forty. I don't really have much top talent, but. Yeah, so maybe they could get eight in. I don't know, but sorry, BJ. No, it's okay. I mean, eight. If they got eight in, I would be surprised. I think they're. I'm. I'm at seven with you, Michael. Um, I'm not a real believer in NC State. Syracuse is a bubble team to me, but I mean, I definitely think there's going to be mm-hmm. one team that falls off a little bit. It could be Virginia Tech. I do like Florida State a lot. I definitely think Florida State's going to get back to being ranked here soon. They're long mm-hmm. athletic. They play teams really well. They have that explosiveness that you love to see mm-hmm. in the teams. They'll be scary team in March. But I think uh, overall, ACC, 7-8 teams, I think we're all in agreement. Now, I got a question for you guys. Rank the top five conferences in college basketball today. Who would be your top five, Your basically your power rankings of conferences? We'll start with you, Mickey. So, Big Ten, um, Big 12, and that's because I think their their top talent is really, really good. Um, and then I'd still – gosh. I'd still have to go ACC, right? Like, ACC still from – they don't have the top talent that they do, but they still have a bunch of guys that can come in and play. Then – Probably SEC and then Big East. All right. All right. Wow. I like it. I I think you're leaving I'm someone sh- out, but you go. I'm you go, Michael. I know. Pac-12 is where I'm looking now, but I, I don't know. I don't like the Pac-12. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, so you had the SEC at the four spot and Big East at the five spot. Wow. So I have, I have Big Ten as the best conference. I also have Big 12 as seconds. Oh, I'm between big East and ACC on that. Those three and four. I think they're very similar conferences this year. Um, I'll probably still give the upper hand to ACC. Uh, Actually, I take that back. I'm, I'm going to go solely based off of who I think would win if Villanova and Virginia made it, which I think those are the two best teams. I'd say Villanova is better. So I'm going to say big East three ACC, then pack 12. And then SEC, if you want a six team in there. All right, all right, I like it. I like it. See, we this is what I like. I think all one two are in agreement. Big Ten, Big Twelve. There's not a lot of disagreement there. I would actually go in and say I will say ACC third, but Pac-12 and SEC are extremely close, and then the Big East is right there as well. But my order is going to be I'm going to go Big Ten. Big 12. I will I will put ACC third. I'm going to go with the stunner here. I'm going to put Pac-12 fourth, mm-hmm. and I'm going to do SEC fifth. I know I left Big East off the board, but really once you get past UConn, they don't yeah. have a lot of depth. That's where they kill me. Their top talent between them, Creighton, and Villanova is good, but 
once you get past that, I mean, they might only have four teams in the tournament. I mean, really, their next best team for Ken Palm's at 46, and that's Seton Hall. Then you go to Xavier at 52, even though I do think Xavier will be a scary team yeah. if they make March Madness. Paul good. Scruggs representing the south side of Indy from Southport. I hate the fact that he went to Xavier, but, man, he is a real winner. Great point guard there. So, guys, I think we talked about the ACC. We know who we have. Let's get in. I put together a little bit of Big Ten power rankings. I think we're going to do this every week. We'll do a little bit of arguing. I think Big Ten's what uh, our uh, our blood and soul is besides Notre Dame. Uh, my rankings right now, today, would be Iowa 1. Wisconsin 2, Michigan 3. I still am not a believer in Michigan. But as I say this, this is 7.30 on Tuesday night. Michigan is up 7 against Wisconsin. I am definitely a little scared. If Michigan wins this game, they may be for real and they may win the Big Ten because they have the best break in college basketball scheduling. They only play Iowa and Illinois in Ann Arbor, they don't play them on the road. But once we get past Michigan, it goes Illinois, Ohio State, Purdue, IU, Rutgers, Maryland, Minnesota, Michigan State, Northwestern, Penn State, Nebraska. Tell me, guys, what do you think of the power rankings? Go ahead, Michael. I don't disagree too much. Um who did you have again after Illinois? So it goes Ohio State. You had Illinois at four. So Ohio yeah. State at five. Purdue at six. IU at seven. Rutgers and Maryland. Maryland, I could definitely have a little higher after they have those two big wins. I just I can't seem to put it. They lost to IU and to Purdue. Rutgers has been falling off. So Rutgers at eight. Maryland's at nine. Minnesota's been falling off. They're at ten. Michigan State's at 11, even coming off their big win against Rutgers. Losing to Purdue kind of hurts them. Then I go Northwestern 12 and Penn State and Nebraska at 13-14. Yeah, I I disagree a little bit in the middle there with – I think Michigan State's better than Rutgers. I think they're better than Minnesota. Um I think they're going to finish this the season better than those two teams. I know they lost to Purdue, but I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not ready to to count Michigan State out. I'm, I think they're still a top eight team. I can see. Yeah. That. I yeah, I think Michigan State's maybe a little far down there, but I do. Like after they beat Rutgers, I was ready to say like, oh, Michigan State, here they go, they're back. But then are we learning more about Michigan State in that game or Rutgers? Because Rutgers went on a losing streak. So now maybe they are not as good as we once thought. Like I had them in my top four last time we talked about this. So, yeah, maybe Michigan State I could see beating Rutgers. Minnesota is a toss-up team to me. Like they've shown they could be really good and then they've lost some as well. So, really, once to me you get past like the five and six, it's a it's a toss up. <laughs> yeah. Those teams can really like yeah. jump each other. I still don't like that you have Purdue at number six over IU. Honestly, like 
putting Purdue and IU at six and seven to me, I would I would feel great to have IU as the seven seed. Wouldn't feel great if Purdue were better than them. <laughs> but I I I don't know. I still think I I'm a little nervous about IU being up there just with the inconsistency. Uh, but mm-hmm. not, I'm not going to, like, we don't know. I, I'm not going to argue too much with what you have here. I think once you get past And I think five, there's one thing we would all say is, I, I would even include five in the mix. Five through 12 yeah. change yeah, yeah, yeah. every other day because they could beat each yeah. other. I mean, mm-hmm. and then look at Maryland. Like, Maryland was looking left or not three weeks ago. After mm-hmm. they lose to Purdue and IU, then they go out and beat Wisconsin, and then they just beat Illinois on Sunday night. Yeah, I mean those are two really incredible wins. Maryland's got to be a team that you're worried about, but that's what you can say about every team once you go get to Northwestern. And then, like we said last podcast, Penn State could upset anyone any week. Mm-hmm. Like if they beat Michigan next week, it wouldn't surprise me. Like, nothing would surprise yeah. me anymore with the Big Ten. It is going to be a dogfight. And we know we have a dogfight on Thursday night. As long as COVID stays away, we're crossing our fingers. IU versus Purdue. We all know the greatest rivalry in the Big Ten for basketball. I don't care what anyone else says. <laughs> There's nothing like Bobby Knight throwing a chair when a Boilermaker's shooting a free throw. There's a lot of bad blood. And we all know that fans were there at either stadium. This one is in Assembly Hall. That would be rocking. What do you guys think is going to happen? Mickey, what is IU's key to win this game? Well, the key, so this is not going to be my key, because the key is always feed Trace Jackson Davis the ball and let him score. But to me, the key is we got to hit some shots because – Purdue's going to try and lock down Trace, and they got two bigs that can do that with Edie and Travion. So we're going to need some shots to fall. And who's going to be – we got – and then, we, like I said earlier, we got to penetrate and kick. Penetrate and kick, and let's get some shots to fall. We got some new shooters that are stepping up lately with Leal and Jerome Hunter, who was ready to ride off a couple weeks ago, but <laughs> – Clearly, I just got to talk shit about him, and he shows up. So I'm proud that he's actually playing well. And so, yeah, I think the number one thing is we got to get some throws to fall to be able to take some pressure off Trace down low. I can see that. I can see that. Mikey, do you have anything that you think IU needs to do to execute well to be able to beat Purdue? Yeah, run a better <laughs> offense. <laughs> <laughs> No, I. Where's where's that game at? It's Who's IU. Home? It's in Assembly yep. Hall. I use home. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's just all the things we've touched on. You know, just don't don't be the IU of this past regular season. Just change it up. Obviously, feed Trace, as you said, that's the the end all be all. But yeah, they got to hit shots. I think, and that's one thing. That's the key to, to this game overall is. IU and Purdue both been so streaky beyond the arc that, like, whatever team has the better three-point shooting percentage could very well be the team that wins mm-hmm. this game. That could be yep. 
the sole outlier that mm-hmm. chooses like, all right, hey, you know what? Purdue shooters showed up today. They're going to win. I use shooters showed up today. They're going to win. I think uh, one thing that Purdue's got to do well is they really need to get Sasha Stefanovic going early. If they can get him going early, he's always a shooter that can hit. He's not streaky, but, like, if he sees that first basket going in, he could be a hard guy to cover all day long. Also, another thing that they need to do is, which they've been doing really well, with help on Travion is is by trapping with Aaron Wheeler, his long, lengthy arms. And he's 6'11". The guy's huge. I think track being able to trap Trace Jackson Davis is a major key to this game. And how well Trace Jackson Davis does passing out of that trap is something that we will have to watch and see. What do you guys think? Can IU match Purdue's size inside? Like, Mickey, I know Joey Brunk's not back right now. What are you guys going to do to contain Zach Eady? So, first of all, going to the, that last question, <laughs> I'm not that scared of Zach Eady. Yes, he has the height, and he, he'll get some rebounds over you, but he he's averaging, like, eight points a game, four, what is it, like, four rebounds a game. I don't think he hasn't shown anything to me where he's like, he's going to be the guy we need to worry about. That's going to be Travion, but he does have the height. Like we got to match both like Trace is our tallest guy and he's the, he's six, nine. So yeah, the height isn't there, but what we're going to have to do probably if you do run with both Travion and Edie and at the same time. No. Okay. So that, that I think helps. IU because we do run with race and trace and at the same time and race plays bigger than he is he goes in and he hustles he gets a ton of rebounds and he's gonna he's gonna play his ass off so and then if you have Edie on trace defensively trace is so good with his back to the basket that he's just going to be able to outsmart Edie, I think, and be able to get it in. Travion's going to be able to body him up a little more and be a little quicker on the feet. So, I don't know. I, th- I think they can match it. The Another key that we go back to is both teams, the bigs, need to stay out of foul trouble. Oh, because yeah. I don't think either team, you can correct me on Purdue, but I don't think either team has a lot of depth on the inside besides no, I mean, two people. You get out outside of Edie, we don't. I mean, yeah. Aaron Wheeler, you could say, but he's skin and bone. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know about him. Can I throw out some can I throw out some stats for you guys on master. just how similar how similar oh, Purdue and IU are? <laughs> oh my gosh. So, they both, so Purdue averages 70.3 mm-hmm. points a game. IU averages 72.8. They both average 66 points against, so their opponents um, average that. They both average, Purdue averages 45% field goal percentage. I use 46. They're both 30, they both average 36 rebounds a game. IU averages 14 and a half assists. Purdue averages 15.9. Um, Williams is a 53% field goal shooter who's their best shooter. And then Jackson Davis is a 53% field goal shooter. 
and they both average 9.5 rebounds a game. I mean, how much more similar can two teams get <laughs> I on know. paper? It's amazing. That is amazing. And they're three, two and a half, three hours away from each other. And they are that similar. I think one yeah. thing that I'm worried about with Crazy. Purdue is, is keeping up. I think IU's definitely got the nod for the athleticism. I think Purdue's got a little bit of better shooters. But they did not show up against Michigan State. I'm curious how our guards are going to be able to hold up against your guards, your athleticism. Then also a big thing that we're going to be watching that we were just talking about is that race Johnson, Zach Eady, where, what is Painter or Archie Miller going to do? Like is, I mean, really there's nothing that Archie Miller can do to make Eady, but if race Johnson starts hitting some outside shots, is Painter going to pull Eady because he can't keep up with them? Yeah. I mean, Race doesn't – he doesn't really take that many outside shots. Um, if you give him a lot of space, he will. He's shooting – so, actually, yeah, he's 33% from three-point range, but I don't have how many attempts he actually has for that. Um, that's a good point. Maybe that's what IU needs to do is try and space Edie out, get him out from just underneath the basket so he can't just clog it up down there. But, uh, yeah, that's a good that's a good point. Archie, if you're listening, you have all <laughs> yes. the answers right here. Archie, if you listen to this, we will show you the way. Matt Painter, I trust yeah. you. You know what to do. Don't worry. So, so another similarity is both teams are very bad with turnovers, too. So yes. IU averages 12.3. Purdue averages 13.4. So that – one of those teams is going to have to not turn it over very much to try and pull away, or they both turn it over and we just have an awful game of basketball to watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, guys, it's prediction time. Mickey, give me your prediction. What do you think the final score of this game will be? Oh, man, final score. Gosh, that could be. I'm going to go – 67 62 IU. I like it. I like it. Michael, you want to throw a prediction out there? Yeah, I was going to go 65 62 IU. I do not think they get 70. I think it's low scoring. I love that we're close there. Same wavelengths. See, yeah. I'm gonna. I'm actually was going to say 69-64 Boilers. So I'm in the 60s as well. I had to throw the number 69 out there because I'm still a little immature. What can I say? <laughs> but you know, I'm a kid at heart, and I believe that the Boilers right. will pull this off. I think we are deeper than IU, and I think the bench points is what go, is going to be the X factor in this game. I think Trace Jackson Davis and Travion will they'll both do enough to keep each other's teams in it. I think Travion's a better passer, so that will be uh, very interesting to watch. If anyone doesn't watch Purdue basketball, I implore you to watch this game and just watch Travion with the ball. His passing ability is probably one of the most underrated things I've seen from a big man in a long time. All right, guys. That's it for the IU Purdue game. I, we have a great bet and great argument coming up. Mickey and Michael, you guys have a bet right now. 
Would you guys like to explain to the audience your bet? Yeah. So, I mean, it kind of started from the last podcast we had where we were all talking about how we think the Big Ten's very deep, um, how they could possibly get 11 teams in and all that. And then that with the team or the conference being so deep, this could be their year to win it all. And Michael didn't seem to agree. So uh, we have a little bit of a bet. I have the entire Big Ten. Uh, Any team from the Big Ten to win it all, Michael has the field. Winner gets a bottle of horse soldier whiskey, which we both fancy ourselves a nice little glass of that. Um, But Michael, Mm -hmm. elaborate on some statistics that you have. Yeah, yeah. So this all kind of came from... As you mentioned, you know, I use predicted get 11 teams in and we all see them just kind of beating up on each other throughout the regular season. And I kind of did some digging on that and I've, you know, kind of come to find out that that's really not a measure for success in the tournament, you know, where you where whichever conference, you know, beats up on the other proves to tournament success and behind that. In the last 22 years, only two teams with more than seven losses have ever or have have won the tournament, and they've both been UConn. And one was under uh, Kevin Ollie, which we all know was uh, Shabazz Napier's year to just take over the tournament. And then Jim Calhoun did it in his last year as head coach with Kemba, um, Kemba, cardiac UConn Huskies. Yeah. Oh, right. With Mm -hmm. with Kemba Walker. Yeah, you're right. So both two dominant players in the tournament um, was those are the only two with more than seven losses. So if the big 10 is going to beat up on each other and they're going to submit outside of maybe Iowa. And I don't even know who the number two team is going to be. I, gotta admit, here, but... guys, I think it's going to be Michigan right now where they're kicking the shit. Out yeah. Of the so it's, <laughs> yeah. So stats, you know, rely behind those two teams where they have less than seven losses it bodes well for them in the tournament. You typically see the top one or two teams from the respected conference win the tournament and make the final along with the winner. Um, we've seen it in the Big Ten in the past with the, the Michigan teams, the Wisconsin teams, uh, the Michigan State teams. They've made the, the finals, haven't won, but they've made it being that one or two best team but michael with all great stats come great outliers and one of those times you mentioned that a team with more than seven losses won was uconn and that was the year that the big east had 11 teams in the tournament so the historically best conference we've ever had most teams ever get in from one conference and now a lot of people are talking about is the big 10 going to be able to match that record, maybe even beat that record to get 11 or more teams in. So to me, the one time, one of the two times that it's happened was when the conference was as good as we think this Big Ten conference could be. So I think it feeds into, hey, here we go. We're having one of those historical years. Maybe also that team that won was UConn and they were the ninth best team in the big East. I also believe that they won their conference tournament to make sure that they went into the tournament and then they won the entire thing. That was 
one of the best performances I've ever seen. But anyway, I think it's one of those outlier years that this could this could be the Big Ten's year. Yeah, and another thing I wanted to add too is kind of what we argued about earlier this week was also coaching in NCAA basketball. Look at all the coaches who have won a national championship. They all have an identity. They produce results for the most part year in and year out, except for Kevin Ollie, um, who is no longer with UConn. But you have, you know, Mike Krzyzewski, Roy Williams, Jay Wright, Rick Pitino, John Calipari, Jim Calhoun, um, Bill Self, Billy Donovan, all Hall of Fame coaches leading their teams to victories over the last 22 years. And I don't see, besides Tom Izzo, you know, this might be the year, a breakout year for maybe a Big Ten coach to kind of take that extra leap. But do we have faith? Obviously, Iowa is a very good team. Do we have faith in Fran McCaffrey as a coach? You know, has he proved any success I hope in not. the tournament? And, yeah, I mean, it's it's a real thing. Coaching in basketball is a real thing proven with, you know, the last – champions over the last well, one thing to look out for in the big coaches. 10 yeah and i hate to say it because i've been down on them but with the beating that they're giving to wisconsin right now and with their coach dean there he's been to two he has lost in both but man he's putting up hell of a fight michigan is a team to look out for i will say it now i hate to say uh. it but i hate michigan more than most teams <laughs> they're at home, but they let's not overreact. They're at home, Big Ten champion. You know, they're at home. Well, yeah, with you talked about their, they their schedule being easier than than most. Yeah. I yeah, I I won't believe it until I see it. But they proved well, me wrong. Guys, so we'll far. get into the bets of the week, and then we'll call it a night. I got some bets of the week. Uh, one of them was Wisconsin plus four. Sadly, Jesus, this is not looking great. Uh, I also like OK State plus four. They, uh, Kate Cunningham's the real deal. OK State's legit. I would love to see them wave their uh, uh, internal postseason ban for this year. Get in. Uh, they'll have to work that out with the NCAA. Uh, the other thing is take the over in the Pacers two twenty seven and a half. Pacers coming off a back-to-back. They're playing Golden State. They will score. There will be a lot of points. So, bonus is a beast down low. You guys have any bets of the week? Any bets you're liking so far? Um, not sure. I do. So, the only bet, the only bet I made, uh, well, I did awful yesterday. I had Ohio State plus nine. That was embarrassing against Alabama. So I'm glad that one's over with, but I actually have the over in the Michigan Wisconsin game. It was set at 135. Um, so I'm hoping Wisconsin yeah, scores a little bit more points. It seems part. that Michigan's doing their part, putting up some points, but uh, maybe, maybe Michigan will score 90 and it won't even matter, but I like it. I have I like the over it. 135 in this game. I have not looked too in-depth on bets. I'm pretty worn out from the weekend right now still. But (laughs) what I will say is if we have any loyal listeners out there, please shoot BJ a 
DM and tell him to stop putting bets online because they it's always un- lose. It's unreal. It's unreal. <laughs> my bets I put online lose. One so... I made myself win. Like I had a phenomenal college basketball weekend. I didn't put any of them on. Went fifteen and three. And man, if Illinois covered against Maryland, I would have hit oh, a very nice eight hundred dollar parlay. But that's beside the point. But man, NFL's kicked my ass. I'm not gonna lie. Last week the NFL, I was very bad. I think I was two for eight. So, so BJ did say to hammer yes. the Steelers. <laughs> and you see how that one so, played out. <laughs> oh man. So my advice to you is, if you see BJ post. Do the opposite. Fade hey, my NFL picks right now. Man, <laughs> I want to take Buffalo, but everyone's on the Ravens. I don't know. I'm not seeing the NFL board clear. But college basketball, I'll take you to the promised land as long as you're not playing Michigan. Uh, if Wisconsin loses tonight, I will be 0-3 betting against Michigan. Because I keep believing that they're false, and they keep showing me that they're real. But everyone – Thank you for listening. We'd love to get some feedback. Give me some shit for missing all my bets. Please. We need it. Uh, Thank you guys for listening. Uh, You guys have a good one. And next week we'll be talking about the Big East and uh, hopefully tell you how great Purdue basketball is. That's off their big win. (laughs) Boo.